Can you ask your colleagues if they feel they belong in the workplace and what is really wrong? So and that's what I'm trying to solve in my community, making yourself available, getting yourself involved. Because withdrawing from society is not a valid solution because you maintain the stereotype. You withdraw. People don't know you. What they think you are is what they're going to think forever. But when you make yourself available, of course, you're going to face opposition. But bit by bit by bit, we'll be able to break down the barriers of integration and we'll be able to come together as a community. Welcome back, folks, to the Coachful Coaching Leadership Podcast. I'm David, and today I'm here with Odame. How about you introduce yourself to everyone? Hi, everyone, all great listeners out there. My name is Charles Odame Ankara. Um, I'm a chemist by profession, um, live in Calgary, Alberta. Um, and during the day, I'm a scientist trying to make the world better through instrument development. And at night, I serve my community as a community volunteer, trying to focus on addressing some of the systemic challenges facing our youth, our seniors, and the community at large. So pretty much that's me. So before we started recording, I asked you leadership yes. and what that means to you. And you said leadership is service. Yes. Leadership is a calling. It's about training yes. and it's about mentorship. Correct. And so I'm curious why you think leadership is service, the calling about training, and it's about mentorship. Leadership, leadership is embedded in the very fabric of society. Um, um, as I said, uh, beyond the calling and everything, leadership provides um, guidelines uh, for how things are supposed to be done. So if you're in a community, you're in a society where there isn't a clear direction, you need leadership to point you in the right direction. If you are a father at home, you have young kids, they need leadership to grow up, to become awesome individuals for society. Um, if you go to school, you need leadership mm -hmm. to guide you, to, to become the person you want to be. Um, if you are in a church, it, 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 religion, everywhere you go, you see leadership. So it is part and parcel of society. You can't separate leadership from society. Yeah. So. Since it's part of society, um, then the question is who becomes the leader? And as I said, usually the people we see in front of the cameras are not the actual leaders. They are people behind them, making them do what they do, making them put their best foot forward to create a path for things to be done, for a vision to be achieved. And uh, yeah, and that aligns really well with a lot of what we hear about servant leadership, where you are serving the people, the right. people who you are trying to boost up um, to let them gain the limelight, let them yes. be the ones who are um, serving, you know, you're, you're teaching them how to serve the community, you're coaching right. them, you're making yeah. them better to make the world better. And, um, you know, when, when I look at your background, it seems like you're a leader in, in many ways. You're, you're an accomplished scientist. Yes. You have a... Two patents, three patents under your name? Three. Three patents, excuse <laughs> yeah. me. Uh, you have a fourth one coming? Uh, well, working on it. <laughs> okay, well, I'm disappointed that you don't. <laughs> working so on it. So you have three, uh, you're, you're an analytical chemist. Yes. Uh, yep. Um, and you work on uh, climate technology right now. So, Absolutely. So there's that. And then what you've done for your community, uh, I, I mean, the accolades are 
are numerous, but one of them that caught my eye was, you know, in addition to all the other accolades was a year ago, you were selected for the Queen Elizabeth II Platinum Jubilee Award Correct. for your service to Canada, your service to uh, the province of Alberta and to, to Calgary. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when it comes to le servant leadership and leadership itself, it's, it really sounds like uh, you lead from, um, you know, a perspective of your vocation, right? Yes. And, you know, what you are doing to help with climate change, um, but you're also helping the community and serving Absolutely. the community. Yes. I guess just, you know, uh, thinking about yourself, I am interested in like how you got into uh, this life of service, both, you know, your vocation as well as for the community. What what drove you towards that and, you know, this 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 uh, lifelong pursuit? Yeah, beyond 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 everything else, I would say there's there's a I'm a very passionate person, and I won't say I'm a perfectionist, but I love to see things done and done well. Um, so anywhere I am, I look around me and see where there is a need, where where can I contribute to make it better. So either at work, at home, in the community, wherever I go, I look around to see what is there, how can I contribute to make it better and i am i am the type who loves to work with people i don't do it alone i always like teamwork mm -hmm. i go to people i ask them the most difficult question you can ever ask is how do we do it together you know you ask that question and people just be like oh <clears throat> yeah you're interested come on we need more people like that that awareness that there is always an opportunity for you to contribute. There's, ne there's never a situation whereby we, there's enough leaders in every sphere of life. There's always a need. And I find myself in a situation whereby I close from work, I go home, I'm like, what is impacting community? What are the things that is affecting community? Especially my community, the immigrant community. What is impacting us? What is the government doing to solve it? And are they doing it right? It is is a representative of what I know how it should be done from where I'm coming from. Um, David, let me take you on a quick journey. Yeah, where let's go. I, I'm coming from Ghana, and I know how our our society works. It's very communal. It's not very individualistic. Children are raised by the community. Children are not just raised by their parents. I remember when you don't go to school, you can meet an elderly man in town. He will query you. Hey, uh, this is school going time. What are you doing here? Whose son are you? Okay, they will hold your hand, drag you to school, <laughs> and look for your parents and tell them, I saw your son out of school. Seriously, I don't know what he was doing there. And you're in big trouble because yep. you, your parents will not take kindly with you. So at home, we, we, we had protection. In the community, we had protection. We, ne we never felt alone. And then I come here and I see that this is a more individualistic more egalitarian society where everyone is on its own and i realized that it takes a long time it takes a generation or two for people to actually understand the society to think that first generation is ever going to get it right is a huge mistake so government keeps pumping money pumping money pumping money there's no results so as a person when i saw that i was driven to help and solve this problem where in the immigrant community, 
where I think I can bring some perspectives, where I think I can become an example to the young kids. They can see a black scientist, they can see a black chemist, mm -hmm. they can see a black leader who does not fit the stereotype they've been made to believe of black people mm -hmm. and to, to give them hope, to revive their dreams and ambitions, to let them know that they can do it and it is possible. You, you bring up the, the word community uh, a lot and, and contrasting it to, I, I mean, we're we're here in Canada, but I don't think it's very different uh, to our any listeners in America as well, and maybe uh, many other countries uh, in the Western world. Where, um, I, look, I, when I grew up, you, you just reminded me of something. I my parents were immigrants to Canada over fifty years ago. Yep. I, I think the fortunate thing was that there was a lot of people in the same generation as my parents who came here at the same time. They they came over here when the first Trudeau was in power yes. in the early seventies and. You know, there was a big push for immigrants and integrating them into society. And right. there's a lot of people who, who look like me on my street. And, yeah. and and it was exactly that. If you did something wrong, mom and dad heard about it. And, uh, you know, um, I, I don't know what's worse, mom and dad or our, our, our one of the aunties down the street. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, but either way, your parents would hear about it. And there was a sense of community there. But you know, now as an adult and raising my own children, I live in, yeah. uh, I don't know if it's the neighborhood. Uh, I don't know my neighbors as well. And, no. and, and I, I, I sometimes don't even see my neighbors all winter because Absolutely. they, they go to work early and leave, come home late. And there's no, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Oh, no, dummy. Like, I, I don't know if you felt that. And it is. I, don't, yeah. I, I, I hardly see my neighbors. I, I hardly see my neighbors and sometimes during uh, summertime, summertime, I hardly see my neighbors and I have to make a conscious effort to knock on doors sometimes to say, hi, hello, hi, I'm here. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what, you know, it takes a lot for you to understand, to get to understand that it is normal because from where I am coming from, it, that is not normal, mm -hmm. not to know your neighbors. It is yeah. not normal for your neighbors not to come and welcome you. It is not normal for you not to see your neighbors for a whole week and mm -hmm. not budge in to say, hey, the whole week, what, what's happening? I've not seen you. But now society is moving in a direction of, of becoming more individualistic. And I think that it is very rife in the Western world where people keep to themselves. Yeah. Um, and, and if you don't make the effort to get to know people, it becomes almost impossible mm -hmm. um, to, to know people. Sometimes you don't even know what professions your neighbors are into. You don't even know whether your neighbors can even inspire your children to become mm -hmm. like them. Mm -hmm. you, know, you have a kid who wants to become a police officer. Maybe your neighbor is a police officer, you know, who can inspire that kid uh, to become a police officer. I don't know whether it's something that is very prevalent in our community that we don't see that a lot. Um, in Canada or maybe in the other side, they see it but because it is done in a different way, in a subtle way. We don't see it the way it is done back home. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It, do you think, and I, I, have, I have no context around this, but do you think it's how, is it purely because of attitudes or is it how our communities are literally set up, like how our houses are set up? Um you know what I mean? Like, is it is it something to do with that? Like bigger properties, fences, yes. yeah. um, you know, 
tours. <laughs> one of them is how the community is set up. I think yeah. how the community is set up. It's set up in such a way that people are self-sufficient. You don't need anything from the next person. So yeah. there's, there's no redundancy. And hence, that goes into the lack of awareness that, hey, uh, we need each other um, mm. to survive. Unless there's something that happens on the street, then you begin to hear it in the news and you're like, holy, this actually happened next to me. And mm -hmm. I actually got to hear it in the news. That tells you how much removed we are from the, the fabrics of community. Yeah. And it's even worse in a black community because our integration is really, really, really hard. You know, you don't easily get people inviting you into their homes. Mm -hmm. You don't easily get people welcoming you into neighborhoods. You don't you like you have you have to carry on this extra burden of proving yourself to be who they they think you are not. You have to prove yourself to be the opposite of what they naturally will put you, stereotypically put you yeah. into. So it becomes even harder in our community for us to integrate as immigrants. Mm -hmm. And David, I have seen second generation kids who are still not well integrated in the community. Second generation in my community. So it tells me that there is a bigger problem we need to look at by creating awareness to community, to society. Mm -hmm. Hey, look around you. Let yeah. us build a more inclusive society, a more inclusive community. Um, do you know your neighbor? Can you go out to say hello? Can you check in on your neighbor? Can you undertake activities and deliberately invite people in? Because sometimes mm -hmm. people don't feel welcome to withdraw, but when you, you open up and, and invite them in, you realize that, hey, these are amazing people. So yeah. I want to see community coming back to how it was 50 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, you know, you actually bring up a good point there. I, I wonder even it's not a necessary, even just an immigrant experience. It's just you happen to be coming here at a point in time Correct. when people are just very separate on their yes. own. Correct. And yeah, it, and that brings up a good point. Like, what if it was the 1950s or 1960s? Correct. Yes. What would your experience have been? I, I don't know. Uh, like, I, 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 I asked that rhetorically. I don't know the answer <laughs> to it. Uh, so just you know, when you think about then the, the sense of community and, and integrating into, you know, a, a society and it sounds like, you know, and I've heard this a lot from the black community, especially like, yeah, you, yeah, you, you are coming up with a few strikes on you, even though you did absolutely nothing to yep. deserve it. Guilty yep. until proven innocent, right? Yeah. In, in, in many ways. So how are you helping the community? Like you've done a, a number of things and yeah, if I can, so, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll let you speak to so it. The ways I'm helping the community, it is, deliberately creating awareness and making sure we are showing up at places that people don't expect us to be. Um, hockey game is a big one. Mm -hmm. Making sure to encourage the community, get to learn about Canada, embrace Canada, skiing. I've never done skiing before. Maybe you have to come to Calgary and take me a skiing one day. <laughs> never done skiing before. Am I looking forward to it? Of course, I'm looking forward to it. How do I start? Uh, one day. It's on the bucket list. Now, so, but having the opportunity to tell these children that, hey, you belong. You know, sometimes I, I meet the kids and I ask them only one question. Do you, feel, do you feel that you belong in your school? Do you feel you belong in your class? Do you feel you belong in your home? Do you feel 
you belong in society? David, this is a powerful question. And the answers that a young generation will give you will blow your mind. But wait, what? So what do you hear that blows your mind? So from home, yeah, I feel I belong at home. Community, yeah, no one cares. Like people, are, nobody cares about me. It's, it's like nobody cares. School, you, school is variable. Some will say, yes, I feel I belong in my school. And some will say, no, I feel like um, people from our community get disproportionate punishment mm -hmm. for the same offense. So a kid, you can see that kids from other communities will offend the same way. They also offend the same way and they get suspension. The others get a warning yeah. letter. So mm -hmm. they begin to see this sharp um, application of justice right from mm -hmm. school. And yeah. that begin to, it began, the gap begins to widen. And then yeah. the kids begin to feel they don't belong. Yeah. So the question is, can we sample people, David, and genuinely ask them if they feel they belong? I think this is an important question um, for every Canadian to ask. Do you belong at workplace? Can you ask your colleagues if they feel they belong? In the yeah. workplace and what is really wrong so and that's what i'm trying to solve in my community making yourself available getting yourself involved contributing your 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 quota to the well-being of society because withdrawing from society is not a valid solution because you maintain the stereotype you withdraw people don't know you what they think you are is what they're gonna think forever but when you make yourself available of course, you're going to face opposition. You're going to face all forms of resistance, but bit by bit by bit, we'll be able to break down the barriers of integration mm -hmm. and we'll be able to come together as a community because it is not just about us. It's about the children we, we are giving birth to here who do not have any immediate experiences from where I'm coming from. Mm. Their experiences all Canada. So parents have to take it upon themselves to build a Canadian experience for their children, mm -hmm. to make it easier for them to fit into society. And that that could be a tough challenge for new new immigrants themselves. Like, yes. um, and I speak from experiences in some way. Like my parents, I, I have to say, I have to give them credit. They 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 did pretty well, right? right. Um, but even to this day, their English isn't that great. Correct. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, and you know, they're they're old. Yeah, <laughs> they'd be not retired a long time ago, but at the same time, it was, um, I think a lot of it was my dad too. Like he, he was trained as a Western chef. He had yeah. that opportunity and it, believe it or not, it was through food that we probably, you know, he started integrating into society. He's like, what'd Absolutely. you make there? And, and you no, know, he'll make some <laughs> great Western dish. He, he can make yeah. Chinese dishes like, Absolutely. like, like nobody, but yeah. it was through food and, and that's how we got you know, introduce and, and, but as a, as a kid born here, I'm straddling both worlds yeah. and I'm watching my parents like, okay. And one of the things my dad did re really well and my mom was there was a lot of people like Greek people, Portuguese immigrants, um, Chinese immigrants, uh, yeah. Greek immigrants uh, on our street yeah. and everyone spoke broken English. The funniest part was that my parents and them had the best conversations like late into the night. And yeah. like you talk about community, it would be late into the night and in, in the summer, they'd be on their porch Correct. having a biota yeah. and just chatting. Um, Absolutely. I wouldn't understand a word they're saying, but yeah. somehow my parents and them understood each other. <laughs> I don't understand. Oh, Davi, how does that work? Yeah. So 
so I watched that. I did watch that as a child, like yes. how they made an effort. And it was, you know, they liked it too, right? More so my Absolutely. dad than anyone else. And I guess, is that sort of like what you're talking about? Like where the parents have an obligation. Uh, is that the word you use? I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Like yes. an obligation yes. almost to, yes. the parents to integrate yourself. To so your kids, is, it makes it easier. It makes it easier for them. Makes it so easier for them. For example, in getting themselves involved with school. Mm -hmm. You need to understand what is going on in your kids' school. Mm. You need to understand their struggles. You need to appreciate that they're in a different environment. An environment you as a parent, as a new immigrant, you do not understand. You need to go to their classroom and have conversations with their teachers. You know, so the kid knows that you, you are there. You are there. You're invested. And you are invested in them. And that is very crucial. But David, there is a challenge there. For new immigrants, they have to work two or three jobs to be able to get by. It's a given. Dad yeah. has to have two or three jobs. Mom has to have a job or two. Yeah. So the, the luxury of adding that burden onto the uh, the twenty four seven becomes so limited in what they can do in the twenty four seven. And then you but, add a language barrier. And the language barrier. Language barrier, cultural barriers, cultural um, barriers. And, and educational barriers. Educational um, barriers. All, all that with parents. Um, they didn't have a more than a grade school, less than Correct. a grade school education. Yeah. They came from a different time. And yeah. also they went through wars and revolutions. Correct. So education wasn't top of mind. Survival was. Um, but then there's the language, right? Yes. Uh, they knew the difference between an A and B and C on the report card. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it is through that we are able to put, we are able to put the children on, on a good platform to success. Because then we are able to teach them at a very young age, we teach them community is everything. Mm. Community, getting involved, volunteering, um, uh, contributing your part. That is how you are able to break down barriers. Yes. Is there resistance to integration? Yes. You yeah. will face racism, you will face rejection, you will you, you face a whole lot, but what I am calling for is, is a clarion call to say, don't back down. Backing mm -hmm. down is not an option. We need to have a renewed mindset that we are here to stay. Mm -hmm. We are not going. We're not going away. We are here to stay. To stay, we are going to make sure that our generations down the line will do better than we, we, we did. Yeah. In terms of integrating into society and get and, and, and eliminating or mitigating the harsh realities that we face when yeah. it comes to societal integrations. And I, for one, if you come to my home where most food that is prepared is, is traditional food, I always ask myself, are my kids going to be able to prepare the same food when they grow up? Or it's going to be a blend between our traditional food and, and, and more Western style food. So how do we blend the two? How do you mm -hmm. teach the kids to be able to have the best of both worlds yeah. so they can grow up with their own unique identity and create a path for their generation too. So when, when you look at the, the immigrant community then that you work with, yes, what do you, where do you see the opportunity, right? For, both like folks like yourself, leaders to bring awareness, but also for the government to step in, right? To step up, actually not yes. step in, but to yeah. step up. Right. Uh, and, and I asked this question because 
<clears throat> you know, I, I know there are questions there right now. Right. And, and I, I'm, I'm curious, like, where does that stand for the gaps um, that yeah. we need to fill here? Yeah, the, fir the first gap is that, and, and I want to use your platform to appeal to government and other agencies. I want to appeal that they should stop assuming they know what the problem is and, and begin to throw money at it. Mm -hmm. They don't know the problem. One, they don't know the problem. They only see the manifestations of the problem, mm -hmm. like school dropouts, violence, and, mm -hmm. and etc. But the real problem, they don't know then they should not assume they know and they cannot fix it. The communities can fix their own problem because they know where the problems are coming from. So government must move away from handouts to yep. offering. Say, hey, there's a support. What do you need to make your community thrive? Here you go, go fix it. Let mm -hmm. us know how it goes. You empower communities when you entrust them with resources. You empower communities to live well when you don't control them mm -hmm. uh, with poverty sustaining funds. I call them poverty sustaining funds. Well, you cannot solve a million dollar problem with $10,000. I've always said that. Mm -hmm. So government should realize that some of the problems are much bigger. Mm -hmm. Hence they should work with directly with the communities to develop proportionate funding scheme, both short-term and long-term, to address these systemic issues in society. You cannot, and I said government, they've tried for the past 50 years, they cannot show one example of something they have been able to fix in the community. It is always the communities that fix problems themselves yeah. because the problems have a multi-pronged cause, financial and then social. Mm -hmm. So there's three aspects, and these are deeply embedded in every society. So when you go to the society and you empower them, they will be able to direct the government on where the dollars will be spent and where impact will be had. Um, yeah. Another thing that government should lead the way in terms of integration. Government should be able to show that all government agencies, municipalities, police service, we are employing equitably. Mm -hmm. We can demonstrate that our employee structure is representative of Canadian workforce mm -hmm. over time mm -hmm. so that it doesn't become as if there's a ceiling for some people because of where they come from. If we remove all the ceiling from both government and government shows the way that no matter where you come from, you could become the CEO of a city or a mayor of a city. You could become this, you be could become the police chief, you could become this. It begins to send a message to the, the bigger community that it, a time has come for us to open up society mm -hmm. because we look at competencies, not color competencies. We just look at, can the person do it? Can we look beyond color? and look at competencies. So back to where you're saying, <clears throat> where you, you think government should be working with the communities because the communities understand the community the best, right? Yes. And, and I, I look at, you know, one of the things that in your biography that it, it looks like you were able to get funding from the government to build a, a Ghanaian, uh, Canada, uh, Ghanaian uh, community center. 
yes. for newcomers, right? Yeah. And I guess like in that situation or maybe situations in general, level of government needs to be working with the community and who do they go to in the, in the community to work with um, okay. to help with this integration? Fantastic. It's the community associations and the nonprofit organizations that are, that are doing a good job. For example, food security, accessible housing, and in my case, a community center. And the reason why I went to build a community center for, for my community was that I realized the youth has nowhere to go after school. Mm. And their parents are at work. So the time for parents to come back from work and kids get out of school, there's Trouble a gap. Time. And that <laughs> gap is free gap. Oh, yeah. And that is where they get into trouble. Yep. That yep. is where the gangs lure them with money, drugs, and hope kind of bad things happen mm -hmm. and it happens at the blind side of the school system and at the blind side of the parents mm -hmm. and before we realize it's gotten too late but to fill that gap i wanted to create a, a safe space where kids after school can go and play games ps4 i mean top notch the the latest advanced games is there just come in and play ps4 um oculus 3d um wow ping, ping pong ping pong, um, basketball, just think of it, it's there. Yeah. And you don't need to w to whisk a magic wand to get a kid to come to this space because it is what they love to do. And every parent can close from work and come and pick their child there because they are safe. And so, and this is a problem we identified and we fixed it with the help so, of government. Yeah, and I do want to commend you for that. Like that's, that's huge, building a community center um, yeah. and you know, I sort of laugh at that, like after the after school time when yeah. I was young, I'm very young. <laughs> uh, it, it, I, fortunately, I found good after school programs at some point, yeah. but I I got a glimpse into what it could become and what I could have become. Absolutely. There are certain places where certain people hang out and nefarious things happen. Right? Mm -hmm. I, I could have easily turned way or the other Correct. Um, if I didn't, you know, if I uh, didn't follow the right crowd. Right. And it's way too easy because you Very know what the crowd that you shouldn't follow yeah they're more fun they're more fun they're way more fun especially for like a you know a young boy's yeah. mind oh, yeah, that looks more fun i i guess a practical question then is that you know sustainability of this is that the good and bad thing about a democracy is that we ensure that one government doesn't stay, you know, one ruler doesn't stay in power for Correct. more than three to four years, yes. whether it's at the city level, provincial level, or at the federal level. And so, like, do you see that as a, as a challenge? Even if you convince the current administration within, say, the city of Calgary um, to go get on board with what you're doing, in the next three or four years, they could be voted out and you got a right. new person who has a new agenda and you could very well lose all that funding. Yes. And, and I guess like, is that a real challenge and how do you get around that and how do you deal with that? Yeah. So that's what the community is, is growing very fast. Yeah. And we, we have members of our community on, on throughout all the spectrum of the political divide, uh, both conservative liberals and NDP, they're all over. But, what we are trying to say is that we are trying to segregate societal problems and pro from political problems to depoliticizing societal issues so that regardless of who is in government, the help will continue because it has been depoliticized. Mm -hmm. And we're making that 
conscious effort to tell politicians this is not a political issue. This is not a, a political buzzword. Uh, this is a problem in the society and we're going to mm -hmm. treat it as, as such. And as you can see, they did a very good job with um, opioid addiction. Mm -hmm. You can see that it has been depoliticized. No government is speaking against it or for, or because mm -hmm. everybody's on board. Let's get it done. Let's mm -hmm. get it done quick. If we depoliticize societal issues and make it our issues, regardless of who is in power, the help will continue because mm -hmm. now it has become a, a society issue, not a political issue, not a racial issue. Trying to put issues into segregation is a problem. So, so that is a, the, the, to look into sustainability. That my community is working towards depoliticizing um, 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 societal problems. That yeah. is the only way we can be successful in addressing this emergent issues that will keep happening because immigration hasn't stopped um, in Canada. We are increasing the numbers every day. So yeah. we will have the problems there. So we need that strategy to keep up to date and keep the funding coming. Right. So uh, I'm curious then with all of you that you've been doing and accomplished so far, what's next for you? So <laughs> that is a good question. Um, I want to complete what I've started. And by the time I exit the scene, I hand over to the next generation of leaders who who shares the same vision as I had. And then, and through that, I'm trying to be a mentor and a coach mm -hmm. to others so that I could become the pillar behind them, the next one to succeed. You know, great leaders, when they exit, they don't disappear. They take a seat mm -hmm. and hold up the next leader high and ensure they are successful. Yeah. And that is what I am I'm planning to do. I'm, I'm, I'm planning also in the future to launch a nonprofit called Up to Good. Mm. Up to Good. And the reason why I want to do that is it's a communal fundraising initiative to let everybody know that it is not only the millionaires that can donate for a good mm -hmm. cause in society. We wow. can all donate. So from a dollar a month to $5 a month, to ten dollars a month we will mobilize a grassroots for community good and it will be part of the sustainability model we want to put in place mm -hmm. for everybody to know that every month i am ready to donate a one dollar from my salary yeah. for a good cause to ensure that community becomes livable becomes good for everyone to follow so that is the next initiative i'm looking at when when i finish this work i'm doing Great. that's wonderful Thank you. So advice, one piece of advice that you could give to all the young leaders, emerging leaders, or experienced leaders out there. Yes. If you could give one piece of advice, what would it be? You can't retire as a leader. So be ready for it. Once you start, it's a lifetime commitment. You can't retire. You can only change roles. Mm -hmm. And each, everywhere you go, Make sure you duplicate yourself in forms of coaching and mentorship so that when you exit, your legacy does not die. It will continue to live. Oh, last question. <laughs> and I always leave this to my guests to ask, to ask the last question okay. to me. So what question do you have for me? Where 
do you see your podcast journey taking you to? Don't know. <laughs> that is my knee-jerk reaction. And actually, it's a good thing. The reason why is um, I started this. This is one year now. Okay. Uh, one year, almost a one-year anniversary. Um, I have over 30 episodes. Thank awesome. you. Um, and it's been a journey and it's a passion project and okay. it's a passion project to grow organically okay. and not for the purpose of clicks, likes, people clapping for, well, except for you clapping for me, uh, it's not for that purpose. And, yeah. and I was very conscious to do that. And my, my wife said it best to me. She said, do not make this about work. Do not do it like work. Yeah. Do not make this because this is what you enjoy doing. And that's when you, you create something that you don't expect. She's seen me over, she knows me very well. Awesome. And that's when I thrive. And that's when things I do thrive. So where's this going to bring me? I don't know. And that's okay. And that, and that's why at the beginning of this conversation, before we went on camera, I said, okay, we're going to talk about leadership. Correct. Let's see where this goes. Absolutely. If we planned out this journey, I don't think we would have ended up talking about the things we talked about. Absolutely. Right. I, I've, and I'll be honest with you, I've made a conscious decision a year ago to say, oh, I'm not going to talk about government or anything like that. And you know what? It, I changed my mind, actually. True. We need to talk about some of the politics and the, and the decisions that are being made um, that are affecting, uh, you know, society. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. And so if I planned it out using that right. mindset, I would not be where have evolved to where I am now. Absolutely. And so wherever this evolves and however it evolves, it's my side project. It's my passion project. And I'm doing this for love, uh, for the love of doing this. I'd love to talk to people. And wonderful. I've met wonderful people like yourself in the process. Wonderful. This is, um, this is amazing because it ties in with a saying that I really love and said, anytime you travel on a new road, you are awake throughout the journey. When you travel on a familiar road, you, you are likely to sleep on the way. So keep up on the unknown journey. Uh, yep, uh, it's, uh, I'm not sleeping. I'm, uh, in fact, I've met many people I never thought I would ever meet in my life. Wonderful. And uh, well, Odami, you're an inspiration to a Thank lot you. of people. You're an inspiration to your community. You're inspiration to hopefully the people who listen to this and what you've accomplished. Uh, both academically and in your community and and the recognition you've gotten because of that. Um, I, I do want to commend you for that. And hopefully the people who are listening to this understand that is, you know, speaking of passion, it, it, I can see the passion coming out of you and the Thank glow you. when you talk about what yeah. you're doing for your community. Correct. And what's sticking with me right now is, you know, you're as a leader, you, you never retire. You only change roles. Yes. Absolutely. I'm taking that away. All right, Odami, anything else you want to share with the the crowd out there? I want to say a big thank you to you, David, for creating this platform um, to to let voices um, be heard and, and be heard around the globe. Um, it's, it's an unlimited platform. It's a very powerful platform. And I will encourage you that keep going. Don't give up. And I want to say a big thank you to the audience who are listening as well. I want to challenge you to take on a leadership role. I want to challenge you to leave a legacy in your community. I want to challenge you wherever you go, make sure you do not just walk through, but you leave a bit of yourself. Thank you. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to call it quits.